and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 185th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it's our 640th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And I'm already messing up. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. Now, the banner moments are getting harder and harder to come by as we move through the offseason. So the best we could uh, come up with this time was uh, Andy Katz today, I believe it was, tweeted out a list of his top 20 uh, returning players in college basketball. And Trace Jackson Davis was in there at number 16. So I think as we look forward to the season, we know the Trace is really going to be the anchor that everything is is built around. And if you want to have a successful team, it's always good to have a stud guy who's coming back, who's got some experience, uh, and that everybody can really lean on uh, from both an offensive and a defensive perspective. So uh, that is, is certainly the positive news. Uh, some might say a little bit of the shine comes off that news when you look at other portions of the list. I know Jared singled out the fact that uh, Geo Baker of Rutgers was at number nine on the list. Uh, Seth Towns from Ohio State was number 12 uh, in his first year in the league and then you did have actually the top two players uh, were both also from the Big Ten so Luca Garza and Io DeSunmu so I think not a lot of uh, complaint about those two Kofi Coburn also in at number 10 uh, the Geo Baker one probably the one that was a little bit uh, head scratching I would say in a number of ways but we'll we'll focus more on the uh, on the positive of Trace being on that list I think that bodes well uh, for IU's prospects heading into the season and uh, as we'll talk about in some of the headlines later there continue to be uh, while maybe some different uh, things that we'll be looking forward to this year, things do seem to be slowly moving forward toward actually having a season. Uh, so having Trace in the middle of that is something that we can all get excited about. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind tonight? Well, you know, as everyone knows, I'm not much for Instagram pictures and everything of workouts and all of those things, but uh, two pictures uh, as we were waiting the start of the season kind of cropped up. Anthony Leal flexing and muscling up his uh, new tone body from Cliff Marshall is good to see. Not so much the picture, but just to understand that our guys are back working. Every university is doing it, but I think our guys uh, with Coach Marshall really do a, a great job at getting ready for the season, and uh, that has to play out on the court, obviously. And then uh, there were the freshmen were also, you know, at the grocery store talking about eating proper diet. So they're getting ready for the season. Uh, we need to get ready for the season. And uh, our fans in the chat mob, everyone needs to get ready for the season because it sounds like uh, there is a chance. And the, the other thing that I was interested about is, uh, unfortunately, moving the Maui Classic uh, to North Carolina and not in Hawaii. I know that's bad for our buddy there, Ryan. Uh, but if they can have, have some sort of tournament, that's good for uh, getting some non-conference games. So 
nothing definitive yet to really get excited about uh, in this day and age, but uh, enough to to keep you happy, I guess. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the answers. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. So, Ryan, I, I have a feeling that the... Uh, the possible discussion of the Maui Invitational being held in Asheville, North Carolina, that Coach just alluded to, may be your rant uh, about sports from from the past week. But uh, feel free to go in a different direction if you'd like. You you know me too well, buddy. Uh, if the Maui Gym Maui Invitational is in Asheville, North Carolina, I mean, come on, just cancel the tournament. Put these teams on the back of next year's teams. Put them in in 2022 and let them go back. Why are we moving it to Asheville, to the Harris Cherokee Center in Asheville, North Carolina? What do we No, No, we're doing it in Maui. That's where we're doing it. Beaches. There are no beaches in Asheville. Uh, I just I just I feel bad for the players who got hyped for, you know, to go to Maui and wind up having to go to the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. I, I uh, I get why, but just cancel the tournament for a year and bring it back. Uh, I'm going to Maui. I don't care what anyone else. Does. I'm going to Maui. I'll cover the tournament from distance in Maui, from like six hours away or whatever it is. I'll do that. But you got you guys go have fun in North Carolina while I go to Maui. While I go to Hawaii. Um, but I just yeah, I I think that they should just cancel the tournament and that Maui that Maui Invitational should just stack the these teams on the back of the the next field because the field is already set for 2021. So just stack these, these teams on the back of that <laughs> and let these kids go. Cause the thing is, if you participate in the tournament, you have to wait like four years until you can go back. And so, you know, some people have been looking forward to this for a real time by some people, I mean me and <laughs> you're just moving it around. I no, no, uh, it, it was, it was a rough day in the Phillips household. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that actually plays out as the way to do it. We'll talk about a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, so with that this week, uh, we're going to talk about a few different things. We've got Who's Your Headlines. we actually got a number of things that uh, fall into that section. Then in the uh, in the main segment, we'll talk about who the most indispensable, indispensable, easy for me to say, Hoosier is besides Trace Jackson Davis. And then we'll answer your questions to finish up, as we always do. All of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. And before we get to all of that, a quick announcement. Please continue to support our friends at Homefield. Uh, you can go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. They've been doing a great job of launching uh, a number of new schools, including the Colorado School of Mines, which was this past weekend. Uh, now this upcoming weekend, based on the not so subtle hints that they've dropped, uh, it looks like Syracuse will be the team. So I'm not, they've been too supportive of the show for me to encourage a boycott of this big new Saturday reveal of, of Syracuse, a team that, uh, most recently has not made fond memories for IU fans. So perhaps in a way to combat that, I would encourage you to buy, uh, IU apparel on that day to, uh, you know, to maybe offset the, uh, what, what's going on with the Syracuse piece of things. So, uh, again, all, all joking aside, Connor and, and everybody there is, uh, just tremendous, super comfortable shirts that are uh, a regular part of my work from home wardrobe at this point. So, uh, you know, again, go to use promo code assembly 20 to save 20% off when you go to homefieldapparel.com. All right, guys. So with that, uh, who's your headlines? Uh, Kenya Hunter, uh, the hire with it was uh, you guys discussed last week on the show was confirmed uh, this week. Had statements from both he and, and Archie Miller. Uh, so that is official news, which I think is is not 
uh, surprising uh, to anyone at this point. But anything you've kind of heard even since last week is, you know, more information has come out as they've interviewed more people talking about uh, the addition of Kenya Hunter. Uh, it seems like he's already paying some dividends on the recruiting trail in terms of getting some East Coast guys interested that um, have have subsequently received scholarship offers. But, you know, Ryan, any, any you know, kind of newfound things that, that you've come across on, on Hunter uh, since last week? The only thing is I talked to somebody with the program who just said that this he's going to fit perfectly and he's exactly what they needed. That was the thing that stood out to me. It was just, he's, it was the, the phrase exactly what we needed. And, and I don't, I didn't really get too elaborate, uh, you know, didn't get him to elaborate on that, but it just seems like he's a guy who fits in really well is, as you said, going to have some recruiting ties, but also is a pretty decent coach on the floor. And, and is good at, you know, analytic, you know, analyzing things and being analytical about the game and, and understands the game as you know, some guys are, are hype men and recruiting guys. And some guys are, you know, on court cerebral coaches and, and he's got a little bit of both of that. So um, I think that, that that's the positive here is he can kind of do a lot of things for you. And yeah, any boost in the recruiting game is always going to help, especially when it's out of the region. Um, I know obviously Indiana wants to build inside out, but it always helps to be able to go poach somebody from across the country if you can. Uh, so that is something that they certainly lost with Bruiser Flint leaving. So I, I think that it, it, it's a natural fit for to have another guy who can go out and do that. Yeah, I think from from my perspective, uh, I didn't I was on the show last week and and so didn't get to talk a whole lot about him. But you know, the more that you read, you know, to me, what stands out is a little bit of what you alluded to, Ryan, is that he seems pretty well rounded in terms of of roles he can fit on the staff, which I think is, is what you want. And it's clearly a guy based on uh, Archie's comments that he's really comfortable with, which, which coach I think you alluded to last week. So I think, you know, you, you don't really know, um, you don't really know about any of this stuff uh, right out of the gate, but I think there's a lot of positive signs uh, with him. And, and like I said, the recruiting pieces, a, a number of guys that they made offers to this week uh, made reference to, you know, their previous contact with him and, and a comfort level with him. So I think that's a positive uh, coach. So, uh, you know, we've gotten Ryan's thoughts about Maui potentially being played in, in Asheville. Uh, so former Wake Forest coach, Dave Odom is the tournament chairman. And he said that they're considering a number of options but they have every intention of hosting the eight-team tournament. Uh, Stanford being in the Pac-12 uh, is a potential uh, stumbling block, of course, given the Pac-12 stance to not, uh, you know, not play non-conference uh, games before the first. Andy, eight, I've got some breaking news. As we're recording this. Okay. OG Ananobi just hit a buzzer-beating three-pointer to give the Toronto Raptors a playoff win over the Boston Celtics. Wow! Just right there, amazing breaking right. news. Boom! Here. Breaking news. And- he walked nonchalant back towards Never made the a, bench. Did Never not make jumped a face. up and down. Yeah, total OG. It was awesome. I look. Classic. I look forward to the. I look forward to the post game interview uh, with OG that will certainly shed yeah, a lot they, of light on his emotions and feelings they, um, after the shot. They passed me the ball and and uh, I shot the ball. And, no, that was and, too long. You said too many words. He would it. not. Uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be that worthy. <laughs> So, so the Stanford thing is one potential hiccup. You know, Odom said we're not certainly not sitting on our hands. We want to make sure we have a tournament. That's the only goal. In uh, and, and kind of related to that, the NCAA Oversight Committee they're eyeing a November twenty fifth start date. They had a few um, dates that they had thrown out. They, they talked about that one. You know, who knows whether you know? I think that start date brings some questions up. If you if you look at a school like IU, that's around the time students are going home for a pretty prolonged period of time. So would you try to play conference games then? What do you do with these non-conference tournaments? So, so coach, what are your thoughts on, not, not necessarily just Maui, but, but maybe what, if anything, some of these, 
uh, tournaments are going to be able to do to try to still try to still play. Yeah, a couple things. One, I think the teams that signed up to go to Maui deserve to go to Maui. Um, and maybe uh, there's two tournaments at one time or back-to-back next season because, you know, the fan bases and all that have, have geared up to go. So I, I think that's a trip for your program that you plan and can only go so every so often. From a basketball standpoint, I do think that there needs to be some – uh, non-conference games so that you can have a, a really good selection come tournament selection time. And the question is going to be, with, by pushing back two or three weeks, how many of those non-conference games can you get in? Uh, I've seen all kinds of conversations about whether it's the Maui Invitational just moving or getting a, a group of eight or 16 teams together in a bubble situation somewhere to play some non-conference uh, games. I think that's a good idea, and I, I would assume that um, given not to put too many games in one short time period, that uh, a lot of programs would be interested in, in getting going uh, before they get into the conference season. I think it's it's extremely tough to just start out, especially in your tougher conferences, the Big Ten. If 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 you open up on November 25th and you're you know you're at Wisconsin and followed by Michigan State at home uh, and don't get a chance to to get out. Uh, on the court, I think that's very tough. So I think it's interesting to try to get these tournaments played in some fashion. Uh, from a fan standpoint, I'd like to see the, the Maui stuff um, go on as scheduled either in 2021 or 2022. Yeah, I think the the odd thing is what you said, you know, the, the November 25th date gets thrown out. The question at that point really becomes, are you just lopping off the first two weeks of the season and kind of picking up what you thought you would do from that, st- from that point? Are you just backing everything up two weeks and you're still going to do – everything that you did or is it just the only given is conference games and then you're trying to figure out how you can schedule non-conference games around those after those whatever that might look like I just think there are a lot of variables and it sounds like I'm reading a lot of the same things that you are that people are exploring any and all options to try to figure out how to do that selfishly from a bracketology standpoint I think we both probably come at this from the same same place of figuring out you know those those non-conference games really do a lot to establish you know conference rankings and supremacy and all those things and and really does a lot to to let teams evaluate themselves against others so that is a big part of the selection process if if all or some conferences opt to only play conference games that makes that inherently more difficult and so i think that's a you know that's a question mark ryan anything you're you know kind of reading or 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 hearing at this point that that suggests there's anybody who actually has a has a, a d- distinct idea of what this might look like or is it all just everybody's putting their cards on the table and then trying to figure out what what might work best from there well what keeps happening to use the card analogy is you have a great hand maybe developing and then you you know the flop is terrible for you and, and you have to readjust what you're doing and readjust your expectations and that sort of is what's going on here and people have things locked in and then you know, a thousand kids at a college, you know, test positive and you have to reassess what you're doing. You know, I mean, that, that's just, and guess what? That That's probably going to happen throughout the fall and there are going to be these reassessments. I think what baseball has been going through is the best example. It's, there have been times they've had to shut teams down for a couple weeks, you know, or 10 days and then try and make up games. I think that is the new reality we are dealing with. And so whatever these conferences say is going to happen, whatever the Maui Invitational says is going to happen, we don't know if that's actually going to be the case. So, uh, you know, everyone's making their best laid plans, and then we'll just see how 
it all falls out. But I, I, what I think is going to happen, I think we're definitely going to get a full conference season somehow. And any other games other than that, I think we have to kind of count our lucky stars if we get any. And, and you know, whether it's five or six or whatever, I don't think we're going to get a full slate, though. I just don't feel like that's going to happen. I know it's easier to sort of contain basketball teams than it is football teams. And it's probably easier to control them and, and keep an eye on them. You know, it's 12 guys versus 100, essentially. Uh, so you might have more success with basketball, but I do think we're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing back and, and see what happens. Yeah, I think that a lot of it boils down to, you know, does the NCAA really care that March Madness takes place in March? You know, they they trademark the battle in the bubble or, or whatever, uh, whatever that was. I, I think just trying to, you know, prepare uh, for, for different options. But if you... If, if the fact that you want to get it done, you know, they want the championships to be held in March doesn't really matter to you at that point, which I don't know that it really does or should. They want to hold the it tournament because there's a lot of money. Then you know? so what? Yeah. Um, but I think that really boils down to you, you can't really set yourself up to try to play a super condensed season because then to your point, you've got outbreaks and then you've got games that you've you, you're going to struggle to reschedule and probably not going to reschedule. And then how do you really handle that from a tournament selection process? And so you've got to leave yourself enough buffer where if games get canceled or delayed, you've got, you, you've gave yourself some room to actually play them before you go into that. So I, there's just a lot of contingency things to, to start to work out, but it, it's a positive that they're planning, uh, which is more than you can say about college football. So I think that part is, uh, I think that part is, is positive and that there's some preparation taking place. It's just a matter of, I think you're going to hear every idea under the sun between now and, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before it starts to try to figure things out. But, uh, I'm glad they're thinking about it as opposed to not. So I'll, I'll take what I can get. Um, uh, other the other thing we had here was uh, two four seven updated their rankings for some IU targets and commitments. Um, few uh, a few notable ones. Aminu, Aminu Muhammad is now a five star. Trey Kaufman up nine spots to number thirty one. Logan Duncan rose twelve spots to number sixty three. Uh, Mason Miller uh, dropped twelve spots, and Blake Wesley dropped twelve spots. He's um, outside of the top one hundred at this point. Coach, any of these uh, moves mean much to you at this point, or it, or is it just kind of something fun to look at and talk about because we don't have much else? Well, you know, I'm not much uh, for rankings because it's all about fit into a program. Obviously, your your top 100 are players that are going to be really solid players, and and then you go from 100 to 150 are players that can come in and, and contribute right away, but really are two or three year development guys. You look at them in bunches as opposed to numbers, so. The, the drops, um, to me, Mason Miller's drop does not, uh, you know, make me want Mason Miller any less. The, the key is to me is going to be Trey Kaufman. Uh, would love to see him. Uh, IU, I, I heard that he's, uh, taking an unofficial unofficial, uh, can't even, uh, take an unofficial, but his parents are driving him down to see Virginia and North Carolina, uh, campuses. So there might be, uh, and that might be all that they can do uh, before they're going to want to make a decision. But I, I think Trey Kaufman is the one everyone kind of wants to see come to Indiana. It's nice to see him jump up nine. The guy that's already committed, Logan Duncan, I think is just going to get better and better and better. Uh, I have friends who coach against him in uh, the Cincinnati area, and uh, they keep talking about his motor, and that's all that I really need to hear. Um, Blake Wesley's the interesting one. You hear, you hear a lot of people excited about him. He looks good, and then you hear sometimes that uh, maybe – the schools are, are backing off a little bit, and so we you, you never know why, but then all of a sudden he drops 16 points, so so that's one 
to watch uh, going in the other direction. And, and you just kind of watch directions of these things at this point. I think at least what we can do from a fan standpoint. Yeah, I think to your point, rankings aside, it's good to see Kaufman, but he's really going to be the domino that I think leads to where whatever other directions that that IU goes. But um, you know, positive to see a guy they already have uh, in the fold and dunk him, and a guy that they've you know gone in as hard after as anybody in Kaufman be guys that are are rising on that list. So, uh, all right, with that, uh, we will uh, we'll wrap up Hoosier headlines. And coming up, one of the college basketball preview magazines was released, and an IU player was on the cover, but it's not the one you might have expected, which got us thinking, who are the two to three most indispensable Hoosiers on next year's roster? We'll talk about it next on the Assembly Hall. The tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight-up racist. And not that watered-down type of racist. What do they call it? unconscious bias no not unconscious intentional i mean that flooding our communities with ads killing us by the thousands and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist they are literally killing us this ends now at wearenotprofit.org the tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight up racist and not that watered down type of racist what do they call it Unconscious bias? No, not unconscious. Intentional. I mean that flooding our communities with ads, killing us by the thousands, and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist. They are literally killing us. This ends now at wearenotprofit.org. Hey, this is Matt Spielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. All right. Thank you, Max. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And this week, uh, started to see some of the college basketball preview magazines. Lindy's released their cover for the, uh, the Big Ten I, all these do regional ones and or conference related ones. So they released their big 10 cover. And uh, so on the cover, you've got Travion Williams of Purdue, Prentice hub of Notre Dame, Butler's Bryce. And I think it's NZ Enzi. And, uh, and then IU, they had uh, not trace Jackson Davis, which probably most people would think, but it was Al Durham. So that led to a bit of a discussion in our IU basketball community, our, our discussion community about, who the two most indispensable Hoosiers on this year's roster are. So if you guarantee that two IU players would be available and healthy for every game this year, who would you pick? The first one is obviously Trace. Uh, but the question that, that becomes interesting is who the second guy would be. So if you look at this year's roster and and what each guy brings to the table, who are the other, you know, who's the other IU player that IU could least afford uh, to lose? And, and so I think there's some good debate here. So Jared put his thoughts in. So I'll I'll share his first. Uh, he he said Al, but I think you know the interesting part is that this is actually a, a discussion. I think that 
I think I fall more in the camp that it bodes well as opposed to it bodes uh, poorly that, that you don't really know who that other guy would be. So uh, Jared, Jared said, Al, he, he, among the things he listed where he's a senior leader, uh, team's best outside shooter and free throw shooter uh, emerged as a guy late in the season who would take and make big shots. Uh, best combo of scoring outside and getting to the rim had the number two uh, in was number two in free throw rate in, in big 10 play. And, uh, you know, the most important thing for Trace is to be able to have room to operate. Uh, and, and so you need to be able to spread the floor. And so that makes Al really important because he's a guy who can who can do that on a team with not a lot of uh, of proven shooters. And and in in summary, he basically said there's no great replacement for the offensive skills that that Al brings to the table, even if there maybe there's some lulls defensively. So but he's got three seasons in the system and that is uh, also of great importance. So. Jared's vote was for was for Al. So Ryan, I'll throw it to you first. Do you uh, fall in the camp that it's Al? Do you immediately just fall back to Race Thompson, which everyone would assume that you would answer? Um, I, I guess maybe let's talk Al a little bit first. It, you know, are there arguments maybe to be made against some of the points that, that Jared made, or or how do you come down on on his his reasoning for Al being the uh, the next most important guy? Well, the the question is: Is there anybody that can replace what Al does? And and when he's right, I think Rob Finnessy can do some of the things. But Rob Finnessy's career has been so up and down, and I know that he's not reliable or whatever. But when he's been right, he can replace the things that Al does. He can make big shots. He can get to the rim. He can run the offense, set the tempo, do things like that. The thing is, he's just less consistent with it. But I think that if you're looking at what players can do things that other guys can't, I'd say Jerome Hunter. He's a consistent three-point shooter. But when he's healthy, again, when he, if he's going to be healthy, if we're talking 100% health, Jerome Hunter, not minutes restriction, Jerome Hunter, not he can only play you know six minutes at a time and then come back in or whatever. We're talking full go healthy Jerome Hunter adds more to this team, I think, than anybody else because of his ability, A, because of his size on offense and his ability to get off a shot, B, his ability to post up at times and score in there. If you watch the summer highlights that, that were posted or the offseason highlights that were posted of him, he can do some different things. And I think he was an emerging defensive guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender, but I think he's solid. Whereas Al gets lost in one-on-one situations a lot. Um, I, I I think it's Jerome Hunter because of what he adds offensively to this team. This defense got has gotten better and better and better every year. I think the Jerome Hunter's offense that he adds would really help this team. And if he's hitting threes, it spreads the floor and opens everything else up for everybody else. Coach, what about you? Yeah, I, I think Ryan brings up a great point in this discussion is who can replace the player. Um, and, and, you know, Armand Franklin is a guy that could also step in and do some some of the things that uh, Durham can't. What you have in Durham uh, to, to support Jared is that senior leadership, that guy who's been in cook hall, who is known to be a hard worker and a leader. Those are wants to take big shots. Yes. Those are intangibles that would make him, uh, hard to replace if, if he went down or, or, or wasn't there. So that's where Jared's coming from. And I agree. Um, then the two players, according to Ryan, who, who can't, you replace easily. I think Jerome is that guy. And I think race Thompson is that guy because there's not a whole lot of depth, um, in the post position. Yes, you have Joey Brunk, but race can bring more athleticism, the ability to maybe shoot a little more we've talked about in the past. So, you know, the, the not ready to be replaced 
uh, direction is Jerome and race. But I will go back and say that I, I think Rob Finnessy is probably the second most important player, A, for his running offense and ball handling. And yes, that can uh, be replaced by Lander, but his ability to lock down other point guards. Uh, he has had his way with Cassius Winston the last three games, and, and though that is what he can do when healthy and when playing consistently. That the defensive side, we 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 sometimes we all look at it, but sometimes that's easy to miss is the impact on defense, and, and uh, so so I think Rob Finnessy has to be in this discussion as well as Jerome and Race and Al, and obviously the second guy's going to come from your starters and that's probably the other four starters so I don't know that One I've made thing. any any clear message but to me it's Rob Finnessy simply because junior point guard really we've played better when he was healthy Indiana under Archie Miller has played a lot better than when he hasn't been and so that makes him indispensable and he'd be my second pick I'd also say that with Christian Lander if Al goes down and isn't healthy between Christian Lander and Armand Franklin you probably have a replacement there you know, for, for the things that Al can do and that he's best at. I think that Rob Finnessy will be my second pick after after Jerome. Yeah, I think the, the Jerome thing is is interesting. I think the one thing that didn't get mentioned with him is if you if he plays as well and shoots the ball well and, and can defend it at that level, I think what he allows you to do is provides a level of lineup versatility that maybe other people don't. Um in terms of, you know, we've thrown around the idea of could he be a small ball four type guy. I don't know whether that's true, but he's the one guy who probably uh, who feels like he could maybe unlock that kind of lineup. So I think that part with him is, uh, is important. I, I tend to fall a little bit more toward the, I guess the fantasy side of this. And, you know, the other guys that were, were we had listed, we really touched on all of them. Lander's the one we've gotten into the least depth on. So we'll get to him in, in a minute. Uh, I, I think with, with fantasy, just to have somebody be able to to run the show capably, uh, I know there's been questions about can he push the pace and play at the pace that Archie wants to, and I think that's been a, a struggle for him, and I don't know how much injuries have factored into that over the course of time. I go back a little bit to, to what Coach said of, you know, when he's really been right and locked in and played well, you think of the beginning of that Ohio State game last year where he really was shooting the ball well, and even that was after – um, you know, he had struggled a little bit with injury, got off to a good start, was able to do, you know, shoot the ball. Well, has, has been a, a proven defender, um, that he's shown at times. I think those things become really important in a guy who can, who can run the show. I think if you look at, you know, indispensable, kind of like you said, you know, other guys who can do what he can do, maybe Christian Lander can do that, but we've never seen him. We've never seen him actually do it at the college level. And there's questions about what that means to, to jump to the, you know, this level he's, obviously incredibly talented so you would like to think that he's going to fit in seamlessly but other point guards in the you know who have reclassified and done similar things um you know haven't it hasn't been a, a smooth transition so you don't ultimately know whether somebody could and um you know point guard play has been a, a an issue for this team over the last handful of years uh really since since yogi was gone quite frankly and um so i i tend to fall a little bit more in the in the fantasy camp um but let's let's kind of circle on on Lander. I mean, do you guys think he really belongs in this conversation, or do we just not know enough to be able to say, hey, nobody else can do what he can do? Coach, I'll I'll throw that one to you first. 
You know, we haven't seen it at the college level yet, but it would not surprise me that a few games into the season, and we have this discussion again, that Christian Lander becomes the second uh, most indispensable guy on the team. Reports out of out of workouts and practice are that he's picking up, um, you know, the stuff really, really quick. He he is buying in uh, to to what's going on. Has been a a great teammate, a great worker inside the program. That's what I'm hearing uh, from people uh, who are on the inside um, that he's really playing well. Now you got to do that against older guys and and scouting reports and all of that. It's not you know there are workout guys and then there are game guys. You know guys that look good in workouts don't always necessarily make it uh, uh, on game night. So uh, I don't think we can talk about him right now because we just haven't seen him and his youth is an issue. Obviously uh, losing a year of high school basketball and coming early. But, man, if he is a five-star point guard and can play with some quickness, and what they're saying is his ability to make stuff you know, uh, come happen off the screen and roll, which puts uh, – we were talking about it in the break about the NBA when you got four on three and that ball can move. Uh, I would not be surprised if, if Christian Lander would become that, especially if he can guard. Yeah, Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on, on Lander and kind of where he sits in this part of the discussion? Well, he does things that no that guys on this roster can't do as far as just his ball handling and his ability to beat people one-on-one and his vision to break things down. I mean, Rob Finnessy's a fine point guard when he's right. Christian Lander's on another level. He just is. The question is the transition to college basketball. How long is that going to take? Can he do that right away as a young kid in college basketball? We don't know that because everybody's adjustment to that college game is different. And, and so we don't know what a young kid coming in early is going to be able to do as a freshman. I'm sure he'll be fine, and I'm sure he'll find it. How quickly will he find it? You know, will it be a two-month thing? This has been a weird year also. Will it take him longer, shorter? We don't know. Uh, so it's such a big question mark. He'll be an effective player at the college level, there's no question. And I think eventually he'll be a star. But when? is the question. And when does that develop? And, and so, and how do the other guys developing and getting better? Are they so much better from last year that it keeps him on the bench a little more than we think? I mean, there are so many factors that go in here. It's just hard to say, but I will say that Christian Lander, you watch him and you watch his film and it's a guy who is a next level point guard, something that Indiana doesn't really have right now. I mean, and by next level point guard, I mean an NBA point guard. He's a kid that has every ability to go to the NBA and be an effective point guard on the level of the top guys. So that's something that Rob Finnessy, while a, when he's right, is a good Big Ten point guard. He's not, you're not looking at him and being like, oh, that guy's going to play in the NBA and do really well. You're saying that guy could make the NBA and, and, and be on a team. Whereas Lander, you're talking about that guy's going to lead an NBA team at some point. So there's just different levels when you're considering these guys. Yeah, I think the the Lander one is the most interesting, and maybe because it's the one that we know the least about what it'll really look like. I think if if he's able to translate well and translate quickly, then I think he becomes hands down the answer to this because he's able to play at a pace that other guys aren't able to play at, if that's true. He shoots it well enough based on what you've seen to, to provide some floor spacing, and he's a guy who can really make plays for others, which is what this team has lacked. So if if that transition is a smooth one for him, then I think we look back at this discussion and feel like it probably wasn't that much of a question, but it's really the unknown uh, part of him. So, well, let's circle back to race Thompson. I'm a little surprised given the two of you that, that neither of you has uh, 
has stumped harder for race in, in this, uh, in this discussion. So, you know, Ryan, as the chairman of the, the race Thompson fan club, I mean, I think where, where do you think he fits into the discussion? I think in, he's in incredible. I think he's incredibly important to this team. I also think that with trace Jackson Davis healthy as one of your two guys who definitely has to be healthy. He covers a little bit of what race does and you need a guard as well if, to stay healthy, you know, and, or a perimeter player. And that's why I picked Jerome. Um, but I, there's no question that, that, um, he is wildly important to this team and he's got to stay healthy this year. There's no question. That. Yeah. Coach, what about you yeah. with, with race? I, I just, I think he might, I mean, all the starters are important, but you can make a really big argument. Cause I, I just really think he's going to be a key athletically in the post guarding the four, uh, maybe guarding the five. If you want TJD to step out, uh, I think this is year four for him in the system. I think you're just going to see a, a an outstanding year for him. I'm not predicting all Big Ten or anything like that, but I think he's at a point where he can really maximize his ability, and that just means a lot for Indiana. And I like the way he rebounds. I like his hustle plays, and that's hard hard to replace sometimes. But um, so, but the second most indispensable, it's it's a guards game. The college and in pro game, it's a guards game. And so we already have one post player that's indispensable. We got to throw it, throw it over to the guard. The other thing that I was going to mention about Jerome, Ryan mentioned that right off the bat, is he was the, he's the highest recruited player other than Lander and TJD, correct? He'd be the third highest on the roster. So there's that potential. He had the injury. Uh, he came back last year. Can he reach that top 60, I believe, uh, potential? That then becomes very important too because – you can be a, a, a decent player and work hard and buy in and the culture and all that stuff we love about the Indiana recruits lately, but talent wins out sometimes too. And, and Jerome's, you know, the third quote, most talented player per ranking. If you, if you go by it and if he maximizes that, that's hard to replace too. But, um, you know, I just think we're at a point where these guys have developed and they're all important and they're all important, not only individually, but they're also important because of the pieces that Archie has put together, uh, so, you know, they're all indispensable to some to some extent. But, um, yeah, Ray, race is going to have a good year, uh, and we're better with them than without them, that's for sure. So I think what, what you said about Jerome, I think, is what this argument ultimately boils down to, right? I mean, Jared picked Al because he's the one that we know the most about. We've actually seen do it. Anybody else that's on this list, we're projecting based on seeing it in – flashes and in spurts, but not for consistent stretches. Um, the same thing can be said of all these. I mean, Lander, we haven't seen at the college level at all, but you know, Jerome, we've seen things that we, we want to like and say, Hey, he's, he's a really good shooter. And I think shot form wise, he is, there's a lot of good things about that. But the reality is he shot 31% from three last year. And then you say that about race and it's like, can he do what he's able, been able to do in some of these spot roles as a, as a starter or in an expanded role? Maybe, but we haven't seen it. And, and fantasy, we, talk about the Michigan state games, but we don't talk about the other games where he hasn't been, uh, you know, at the forefront of what's going on. So I think that's ultimately what the argument kind of boils down to and, and probably why Jared landed on Al, because at least you've got a guy who's proven that he can knock down three pointers. So we talk about other guys being able to space the floor, like he's shown an ability to do that. And so it's, it's a little bit of, at least with Al, you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. And then there's the intangibles that you mentioned coach. And it's like, it, it just becomes a matter of, where how much value you place on what you've actually seen and the intangibles versus what you think these other guys are, are going to be. And I think that's what 
makes it a discussion. If it was truly what they had accomplished, it would be Al hands down. If it's what you think they can be, then the other guys really come into play. And that's where Lander becomes a really intriguing answer to the question. If, if he does it that way. So I I think that's ultimately just kind of batting this around for a little bit feels like where uh, the answer lies. So uh, after, after all that debate, Ryan, you said Jerome at first, is that who you're sticking with or have you been swayed by any of the arguments uh, otherwise? No, I think his ability to spread the floor and and open up things for everybody else is what makes him very important. Coach, what about you? Where do you, uh, what's your, your final answer on the topic, if you will? I'm going to I'm gonna be swayed to Jerome simply because there are other players who can take Rob's place. I, I actually think Rob is really, really, really important and, and would have been my answer. But when you when you really when Ryan brought it to who can replace, it's really hard to replace the 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 three, four position uh, three. Geronimo would have to really step up and do some things, in my opinion. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go Jerome Hunter. All right. Uh, and I, I don't know. I've, I almost swayed myself to Al, uh, through some of the, like, what have you actually seen? Uh, I almost swayed myself to Lander by, uh, by, you know, thinking the the absolute best of what can be there. Um, I, I think I'm going to settle on, I'm going to settle on Lander. I, I, the, the argument for Al for me is again, it goes back to the whole potential thing and there's so many off seasons in a row. I don't know how many, well, probably all of them quite frankly, but where we, you know, we talk ourselves into the idealized version of everybody and we kind of at least know what you're getting with Al. Um, but I'm going to go against that and talk myself into the idealized version of a guy that has never played a college basketball game and say Christian Lander. Cause if he's what, if he's at his best and, and he and the recruiting experts and all the scouting reports are right about his ability to really be a next level point guard, that becomes incredibly indispensable on a team that has really lacked that. So that's a, an absolute projection of what that could be. But uh, I guess I'll settle in on him and uh, and go against what I said we probably should not do, which is uh, think about the idealized version of, of people. So, yeah, what are you going to do? What fun is what fun is it if you just get stuck in what you already what you already know? Let's uh, we're we're dying for anything at this point, so we're uh, we might as well we might as well go all in once again as we always do about these uh, about these guys. So all right, uh, with that we will uh, we'll wrap up uh, that uh, that debate, and in our third segment we're going to answer your questions. So stick with us here on the assembly call. The tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight-up racist. And not that watered-down type of racist. What do they call it? Unconscious bias? No, not unconscious. Intentional. I mean that flooding our communities with ads, killing us by the thousands, and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist. They are literally killing us. This ends now at wearenotprofit.org. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Woo. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan, and 
welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU news roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Look forward to actually having some games, hopefully, to send those analyses out after. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Time now for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. First question comes from Julie. Opinions regarding the rumored Thanksgiving start to the season. What effect would that have? No students is the obvious one. We we touched on this a little bit just in terms of where some of these events would get held. Um, but, but Coach, other thoughts on potentially starting the season then? Other complications that maybe we didn't didn't mention what's the biggest thing that would be missing. Um, you know, just, just your general reaction to, Hey, this is when it would start and, and how you feel. Yeah. The, the biggest thing from a coach's perspective is you don't want to have a condensed jammed in season where you're playing so many games back to back to back or a day off. Uh, remember when the, the big 10 played in Washington DC and they lost a week and had to play the big 10 tourney early and they had so many games uh, as a coach, you like to have rest and you like to have preparation so, it, you know, what's the schedule going to look like would be uh, if they are going to push it back to a uh, Thanksgiving start and you lose those two or three weeks. Are uh, You mentioned it, Andy. Are you going to pick up right there and start the season and condense it or are you going to chop off some games? But I would lobby for making sure we have enough time in between games and you don't play, you know, five games in uh, 10, 11 uh, days trying to make up uh, make up games. Have a season, but have it so that you can rest and prepare within the, the shortened season. So Ryan, outside of Maui potentially moving to Asheville, North Carolina, what are the uh, what are the biggest challenges you would see of starting the season at, at that point? Um, honestly, I think that's probably the right time to do it. I, I think that, again, no students on campus. You have a chance to, to really shrink the circle that, that players are involved in. Um, I, I think that obviously the issue is condensing the season. And if you're going to try and fit in non-conference games, that's the issue. I, I don't, I, I do think you need to start playing before January 1st though, to get everything in. Otherwise you're compressing that massive conference season into a calendar year. And also, I mean, we don't know, as you mentioned earlier, we don't know, are they going to move the tournament back? Are they going to, you know, schedule conference tournaments all the same week instead of spreading them out over two weeks as they've done before and things like that. Uh, you know, we, there's so many variables we don't know, but I think a November start sort of makes sense. I know the PAC 12 has said they're not playing anything until January 1st, but again, these conferences make these rulings and statements and then they're sort of like, well, things look a little better. Maybe we could move it a little earlier. You know, I mean, the students are on campus and practicing anyway to some degree. You know, they could probably move that start date up or back or whatever. I think aiming for Thanksgiving or around that week seems like the most logical way to do things for basketball. Yeah, I think the part we're also going to to clarify, we're also going to have football as as an example for basketball and what happens with football if it's played you're going to get to see, okay, well, no, maybe we should move it back because of these factors, X, Y, Z. Basketball has the benefit of that. Yeah, Julie also mentioned no students being there. I think anything with crowds is is probably not going to happen anyway. So I don't know that that's going to be not until twenty twenty one. No matter when you started, I'm not sure that that does a whole lot. I, I think it's yeah, it's it's to me, it's a lot of the stuff we talked about at the beginning is how you how you handle the non conference piece will be a big tipping point. I think both from a 
selection and seating standpoint, but also just from a preparation standpoint. You know, coach talked about, you know, whoever draws the uh, opening Big Ten game, first game of the season trip to the Breslin Center is probably not going to be too psyched about that and how you kind of work through those things. But if you get into a conference only season and, you know, Big Ten goes full round robin and you play 26 game league schedule and, and do that, maybe that's what it ends up being. So I don't, I don't know, but I, uh, that could, that could be odd for sure. Uh, next one from Lee, he, he talked about being depressed about the live sports scene, watching MLB with fake crowd noise and cardboard cutouts of fans is different for sure. Is this the future of all sports? I don't know that I want to go down the dark to the dark place of whether this is the future of all sports, but just thought it'd be a good chance to get you guys' thoughts on, you know, what some of these different leagues are doing, whether it be the virtual fans or the piped in noise or different stuff like that. So, so Ryan, I'll, I'll throw that to you first. I mean, what, a, what if those things have kind of hit the mark for you and been okay and added to your enjoyment of it versus the ones that have been like, eh, I could probably do without this. I haven't minded the cutouts. I've, I've minded that when they did the virtual fans, like uh, in baseball. On Fox, like they, when they did baseball. Yeah, yeah that was terrible. That, that might be terrible. the worst thing that I saw. Yeah. You know, I look, people are trying to make the best of a bad situation. So I don't mind the cutouts. I don't mind the stuffed animals. I think the stuffed animals are a win for everybody. Collect them at the end of the season clean them and then you know donate them to a kid's charity I, or, or you know ask people to purchase them for a kid's charity and raise money it's a win-win for everybody uh the virtual fans in the nba thing has been fine like i you know the the too much crowd noise is probably uh, too much you know it's probably a bit much but having that like sort of low hum of crowd noise is like a white noise in the background i think has been good um, no, I don't think this is the future of all sports, though. I think that we're going to look back at this in a few years as a quaint time when we dealt with stuff and we're going to look back at it. Can you believe that cardboard cutouts in this day? You know, I mean, people are making the best of a bad situation and, and uh, I applaud them for, for their efforts, even if some of them have fallen a bit short. Coach, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm glad sports are back. It, 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 it's been a long uh, time without them. Uh, I do miss watching them with fans. There's just another energy, and there's some. There's just juice to sports. That's why we like sports. I miss being there. Um, also, uh, correct myself, it was the uh, New York City Garden trip that condensed the schedule, not the Washington, D.C. Uh, Big Ten, so I uh, want to make sure that I correct uh, my error. But, yeah, you know, it's better than nothing, and, and I will take it. It's going to be weird uh, watching, you know, college football and college basketball without fans, and it hurts home court and home – field advantage so th there is some seriousness to that but the fake crowd noise on some of these stadiums i have to mute the tv it gets a little too loud uh in the baseball stadium so I, I, maybe that's just an age thing i don't know i would say the reds inability to hit has really been the biggest detractor for me for my enjoyment <laughs> of sports over the last little while uh well, so one had, there was a big walk off <laughs> the other night and you just heard the players are the only ones celebrating and that was kind of weird like it was echoing in the stadium you know it was kind of yeah, some of it would be interesting. I think um, when when you think about you know football and what that's going to sound like and how much more of that noise you pick up, you hear a little bit of it in the NBA stuff. So I think some of it is is kind of cool. It makes it a little bit more, uh, you know, to use the word you you said earlier, Ryan, quaint. But uh, I, I'm kind of like you. I, I find it hard to get too upset about any of it when everybody's just trying. It's not like anybody knows how to produce a game during these scenarios and uh, and do different things like that. So everybody's intentions are good, even though some of these things have maybe miss the mark uh, and that, that you wouldn't want to. But uh, I, like I said, I think we'll take what we can get at this point. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. And with that, we'll uh, wrap up tonight's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. 
Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you heard on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. So I will say we did have one question that we didn't quite get to because I didn't think we'd be able to, to do it justice. But um, Phil sent in a question to Coach. Where do you find the outstanding guests for one-on-one with Coach Tonsoni? Uh, Phil was one of the guests. So um, yeah. he probably knows where you, where you found him. But I did want to give uh, – and we'll, we'll throw this on the, on the podcast. But uh, I know, Coach, you've done two – released two of these so far, I, be, I believe. Um, I've got him queued up to try to listen to. I've had too many meetings at, at work to actually be able to listen to him uh, this, yet this week. But um, I know Jared – you know, sent us a text about how, how great they were. So any, any big kind of takeaways or your, your impressions from doing the first couple, aside from, you know, where you find the fantastic guests? Yeah, well, um, it's called one-on-one with coach. And I decided that members of our fan community, um, that are members that want to talk about their Indian fandom, uh, that I would interview them for 20, 25 minutes about uh, how they got started and what it means to be an Indiana fan. And so the idea just popped and I, uh, I, these people get a hold of me, so they're very anxious of telling their story. Uh, and Phil paid me some money. No, Phil, <laughs> Phil was a great, great interview. Uh, didn't didn't send me any side money or anything, but uh, I will take it, Phil, if if you're listening. So, um, but uh, I have two. We have two that are out in the community. I've also interviewed two that are uh, in production. They're just waiting to go out once a week, and uh, it's just it. it it was just an idea and I didn't know how many people would want to. I have, um, two more scheduled and, um, hoping to just continue this for a while uh, and let people tell their story. And it's just, it's just been fantastic. And you always hear the story about how older people live vicariously through younger people. Well, I'm living vicariously through a couple of these older fans that we, we followed. Um, you know, Phil was, Phil was a student a freshman in 74, 75. So his first two years on campus, they lost one basketball game. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. And then it's good timing. They say timing is everything. That's, that's pretty good on Phil's part there. Yeah. And the other guy's talking about the Van Arsdales watching them play and, and in the old field house, that's stuff that I didn't get to experience. So it's, it's really cool, but the best thing is to, um, allow people to tell their story and, um, you could just see the love of Indiana basketball, in in the four people that I've talked to already, and uh, it, it it's it was a fun thing to fall into. So if if you're interested in part of the community, uh, my email is on my bio in the in the Hoosiers fan community. Send me an email, and we'll schedule a time, and we'll we'll talk about how you became a IU fan. The one that's coming out um, next uh, was a lady who was on campus. She was a year behind me on campus, so a lot of people. We want to talk. We're down there around championship. Uh, so far, I think everyone that I've talked to um, either was in there before the championship uh, in the 60s um, or was down there in 76 or 87. So a lot of awesome. fun. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, uh, I definitely plan to listen tomorrow. So everybody check those out. Probably not going to be getting a lot of uh, a lot of interest from people who were there for the early Korean years. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't imagine. But, you know. Never, never know. You never know. He's only he's come up a couple times. Always in Archie needs time to to build things, kind of <laughs> mode from from the fans. So of course, of course. I think maybe we brainwash him or something. That's uh, that cannot be ruled out. Cannot be ruled out for sure. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we appreciate everybody uh, everybody being here, hanging out with us tonight. 
And uh, some combination of us will be back next week. If anybody has uh, topic ideas, I feel like we're uh, officially uh, struggling with that, as if we probably weren't Scraping before. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. So, you know, there's only we've broken down every player. We've done... Uh, talked about the coaching we've we've done whatever else so we would normally uh, have done a schedule thing by now right but that's just on hold they yeah. haven't officially announced it because they're probably yeah. gonna yeah because i don't think there's enough where we could at least kind of talk about what that might mean from a bracketology standpoint so yeah if anybody's got uh anybody's got uh, good topic ideas we're uh we're open so but uh and appreciate everybody else guys good talking to you and uh all right will... stay safe everyone yep we will talk to everybody next Bye, week guys all right thanks the news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.